0: Welcome to Not Your Boyfriend's Sports Show. I'm your host, Maeve, and this week on the show, what happens when women compete in men's events and men compete in women's? The sisters behind Sistery, a website with an eye for the quirks of history, join me to discuss two nonconformists who are flipping the script in their sports. But first, it is the return of This Week in Sports, and we begin with A.J. Andrews an outfielder in the National Pro Fast Pitch Softball League who was honored at a presentation ceremony for the Rawlings Golden Glove Award last week. And the trophy, which is given out each season to the best defensive players in the MLB, had never before been awarded to a woman or a softball player. AJ first learned that she won the award back in August after some really incredible diving catches during her season with the Akron Racers. And this includes at least one broken fence, which I really encourage you to go Google this clip and see it for yourself, because she is truly an incredible athlete. So congratulations to AJ. And next up in some NWSL news, Allie Krieger, who is a defender on the Washington Spirit and the U.S. Women's National Team, has been traded to the Orlando Pride. And this news is perhaps less interesting for its future implications for each of these teams than it is for the background and context in which this trade occurred. So it all started back in September when Seattle Rain player and national team uh, teammate Megan Rapino began kneeling during the national anthem in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick and what she felt are marginalized groups. When the rain came to play Washington, Spirit team owner Bill Lynch decided to play the anthem earlier than normal while players were still in their dressing rooms. And he said it was, uh, quote, not to subject our fans and friends to the disrespect we feel such an act, a.k.a. kneeling, would represent. Suffice it to say, not all of the players were very happy about this turn of events, and it fell to Krieger as team captain to respond. So she called a players-only meeting, she wrote a statement for release, and she acted as the representative for, uh, towards the public for the various beliefs reflected in that statement. So fast forward to last week and Krieger is informed of her trade by the Orlando Pride, not her own Washington Spirit team. And until this point, Krieger, who is an original member of the Spirit since their inaugural season in 2013, had given no indication that she even wanted to leave, although sources now say that the move came amid broader player unhappiness about the Washington organization. This is also on the heels of a NWSL championship for the Washington Spirit, and the 2017 season will start next year, and we will, of course, be keeping an eye out for Allie, now on the Orlando Pride, and see if uh, anything else from this situation develops, but certainly an interesting and unusual context for a player trade. That will do it for this week in sports, and when we come back, the Sisters of Sistery will join me to discuss some gender-bending competitors. Welcome back to the show. This week, I am so excited to be joined by the women of Sistery. That's Caroline, Eleanor, and Corinne. These three sisters started this amazing website. It's dedicated to all of the quirks and untold stories of history. It's at sistery.co. Uh It's hilarious and it's really informative. It's like a spoonful of sugar of history lessons. So I thought, who would be better to unveil some of the hidden stories of women in sports history than Sistory? So welcome to the Not Your Boyfriend Sports Show Sistory Mashup. Uh, welcome, ladies.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Um, Okay. So, Caroline, when I suggested doing this episode all together, you and your sisters immediately thought of the Olympics. And of all of the sports stories in all of history, why pick the Olympics?
2: Well, that's a good question. I think there's a couple reasons. We are not particularly athletic women, (laughs) but we love to watch other people play sports. Um, And what better place to do that than the Olympics? We all grew up in Atlanta, and the largest claim to fame of Atlanta um, is the 1996 Olympics. People talk about it. They remember it. They have their little pins that they collected from 20 years ago. For what it's worth, we did not live there then.
3: No, we we didn't live there during the Olympics, so we missed it. We showed up late,
1: and then we <laughs> reaped all the benefits. We moved mm-hmm. there in two thousand three, but we act like we were there for the beach volleyball.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate the transparency, and I'm sure the listeners do too. Yeah, bandwagon <laughs> Olympic '96 fans. <laughs> um.
2: So you know, and the city got these great improvements in infrastructure. The they got the Georgia Tech has a swimming pool that's Olympic size. We all swam there. And um, Turner Field, where the where the Braves are now having their last season,
1: which is really okay, interesting because the baseball stadium that is Turner Field, which is where the Braves play, was built for the 1996 Olympics. It was supposed to be used for like maybe one or two seasons after that. It was basically a disposable stadium, and they were supposed to build a new stadium in that in its place after a season or two. And we are now 20 years out of the Olympics, and they're finally getting around to building a new stadium. This is moving. how
0: I feel about RFK and DC.
1: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like awkward. that
0: thing has been used for everything and its brother. Like, can we just <laughs> move right. on.
1: Although be careful what you wish for, because people had been talking about repairing and improving Turner Field, and instead they're tearing it down and moving it out to the suburbs on mm-hmm. a like one a highway that's already very clogged at rush hour. So this is gonna be a fun little just spread infrastructure adventure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that doesn't seem like great city planning, but No. Um, Okay, so so why the Olympics? Other than your personal Atlanta connection, what about the Olympics are compelling for like these women in sports history? The Olympics are always being talked about. And I think, you know, one of the things that
2: they're talking about in the last year or so is what new sports can be added in. And in June of 2015, over 26 new sports applied to be in, in the upcoming Olympics, the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. And these are just hilarious to me. Um the sports that they suggested were bridge, the card game, um chess, and bridge and chess I guess are actually considered mind sports already by the Olympics, but they're not. A mind sports? Yes. What is a mind sport? Um a sport you do with your mind, which is right up my alley. Um, Isn't this like like skill? a
0: puzzle?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they also wanted to do orienteering. Um Frisbee, sumo, something called dance sport, which is um, really vague, and I, I'm into that. And, and tug of war, which is which is hilarious.
0: Um, I, I get tug of war and frisbee, and I guess I could go with sumo and dance sport. Like those seem like athletic feats.
2: Yeah, no chess for you. So I think some of the thinking here is that if, you know if you allow bridge and chess to be Olympic sports, then you can let older adults in on it. Um, the Olympics aren't just limited to the young and super fit. So, mm. and I you know, that type of inclusion is really important, especially in a country like Japan, where they have such an aging population. So yeah, let's give give the olds a chance. Japan
0: being where Tokyo 2020 is. So home country trying to get some events where they can win some gold medals.
2: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I will say that the... Um, What they actually ended up including in the Tokyo 2020 Olympics are uh, skateboarding, karate, surfing, and climbing, which are all super youth-oriented and not for old people specifically.
0: So we'll see what happens. but our general theme here is inclusion. How how do you design the Olympics so that there's a greater level of
2: inclusion? Exactly, and I think that brings us to the stories we found – today, which are all about gender inclusion in the Olympics. This has been a long battle, and it's not over yet.
0: Okay, so I think that we have to start with our first story, which involves the Olympic sport of shooting. Shooting has been included at the Summer Olympic Games since the modern inception in 1896. And so it's one of those games that, to me, seems more of a test of skill than strength. Um, Yet women, of course, were excluded for the first 80 years. Of course. But Corinne, you're going to tell us all about this first nasty woman who shot through, pun intended, this particular glass ceiling. (laughs) Yes. Okay,
3: so I currently live in Alabama, and shooting, hunting, all of that is a thing here Mm. that I've never experienced before. But um, this one lady, Margaret Murdoch, um, was born in 1942 in Kansas, and she was always athletic, and then she started shooting when she was a child, um, which seems That's very alarming. sad. Yeah. and <laughs> I guess in Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anything can happen. And she was so good that her shooting record was higher than any man's world record in any other sport. So that is a hard concept to wrap my brain around. But that is, wait, I'm sorry. Then I
2: don't, the man's world. So she, she was better that. at
3: shooting
1: explain than that. anyone she was. She
2: good at anything. How yes. do
1: you measure that? Oh, how how can you be better at shooting than he is? <laughs> like I'm better at shooting than you are at ice luge. Like how do you measure that? Don't ask questions. We don't know the answers to Al. Okay. It's a fact. <laughs> she was the best in the world at everything. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever.
3: She was really good. Um, But it took her 30 years, and she finally made the Olympic team. And Eleanor, I think you were telling us that they were like, all right, you can come on. We know you're not going to do anything. You're not going to win, but just come on and participate. But then she tied for first place with a man, and he, instead of them both getting golds, he got gold, and she got silver. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that is insane to me, and they, you know they have an ample amount of gold medals, they're not like, oh, shoot, we ran out, I'm sorry, <laughs> Margaret, can you take this? Then, after that, she kind of went back to her normal domestic life as a mother and a housewife
0: and a a, a nurse, nurse she was a nurse. yes, yeah. so I mean, Okay, but I want to go back to this, like, tied for gold medal yeah. thing. Oh, oh I because really want to go back to some- that. There was some, like, real drama that went down. So, like, walk us through a little bit the backstory of how they were tied, but then how the decision got made of who got gold. Because it's pretty, like, it's pretty thin ice. Yes, I agree. Um, All right, so her team captain is this man named
3: Larry, Lanny Bassham. So when they both, you know, received their scores, they thought they had both won. And Murdoch, Margaret Murdoch... Um, was one point ahead. And then later, the scoring officials said that there was like some sort of mistake, and when they got the scores back, um, they saw that that Lanny should have get, been given one more point, and that actually tied them. And then the way to break a tie in shooting, as I hope you all would know, is to <laughs> um, just take whoever went with the better score in the final round, so that is... Bassam. Lanny. Okay, okay, so
0: so they were tied an, in overall points, but the tiebreaker rule was that whoever had won the last portion becomes the overall winner. So what did she... Did she just accept it, or what did she say about that?
3: No, and she knew. She was like, I know I'm a woman, and it's only 1976, so this is a quote from her. I have been screwed on a couple other occasions big time, so it doesn't surprise you. They said... We were both from the same team, so they thought it would be okay. But they're not from the same team. If I've ever seen people from different teams, it would be Margaret Murdoch and Lanny. Yeah.
0: It's just the whole thing, A, I love how Frank she is. She was like, I've been screwed before. Yeah. Yeah. But then she's like, Oh, you think that I'll be submissive because I'm the woman and just like allow my male teammate to
2: get the gold. Yeah, like, no, you take it. No, you
0: take the
3: gold. Just it's fine. There is something a little funny about it, because Michael Phelps wants gold more than any other, than he wants anybody else on his American team to get gold. Right, Right. he's not going to give Ryan Lochte the gold just because, like, oh, well, it's the same team. Right, and that's what they're saying here, is they said we were both from the same team, so they thought it would be okay. Wrong.
0: Okay, but we should give Lanny a little more credit, because he does actually come off as kind of a good guy in this story.
3: Yes. Okay. So in the end, he there was the whole medal ceremony, and he allowed her to come on stage with him onto the gold uh,
0: platform stand. stand. <laughs> well, but before the medal ceremony, they both wanted to have a shootout to break the tie. That was what I thought was, you know, showed the character of Lanny that he was willing to go like mano a mano, yeah, with Margaret.
3: Right, and oh. the referees and officials and everything said. No.
2: (laughs) So sometimes you get people who want, you know, the right thing and they're doing the right thing, but the times are not there yet. And that seems Uh, to be the case here.
0: It's all about the times. All about the times. All about the times. And in her earlier times, Miss Margaret here, she like was flourishing in male-dominated environments. Like the Olympics, you don't get to the Olympics in a male-driven sport by just like sitting pretty all these years. What was she doing before the Olympics. Yes. Okay, so she really started to hit her mark <laughs> nice. uh,
3: in the Ooh. Army. And she was a shooting instructor and then became the rank of major. And so she had a lot of experience. Um, mm. and much Teaching much other more. men how to shoot. Yes, exactly. She might have taught Lanny. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, and she was the first woman to earn a varsity letter at Kansas State University before Title Nine was ever a thing, and yeah. granted, her mom had to chaperone the team whenever they traveled. But you know, that sounds like enjoyable. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> we bring our mom. She's yeah, mom. I'd love
3: to
0: have my mom travel with me every
1: <laughs> Let's hear it for the moms.
3: Yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> Eleanor's favorite thing to say about adult life is just sometimes you have to be your own mom.
0: It's true. <laughs> It's true. That's a great lesson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Well, the other funny part about this story is that there was a period during Olympic history when men and women were both competing in the same shooting competitions. They didn't separate out the genders. And there was only one other woman who won an Olympic medal during this time, which was between 1972 and 1992. And this was a woman from China. Her name was Zhang Shan. So what do you think? Like, on the one hand, if you have the genders compete together, you could say that there's more parity. But on the other hand, if women are competing in their own events, then there's more opportunity for women to perhaps find success, find fame, get sponsors, get money.
1: So, like, what do you think? Should them stand <laughs> the
0: gold medal stand so like should is it good to be separating the men's and women's competition
3: um i don't know i think that there are less events in the olympics where the genders compete together um they have like mixed doubles and then figure skating but those are like partner sports um, right. so it's not like i always just go back to swimming because whenever i think of the olympics i think of swimming we were all swimmers growing up mm-hmm. The only truly, you know, quote, gender-blind sports in the Olympics would be sailing and equestrian, Um, Hmm. because riders can be male or female. But then, you know, then you come down to shooting, which is much more of a test of skill and control instead of strength or speed. So um, I I don't know. And I mean, boys and girls, men and women (laughs) compete together, (laughs) um, like in college and everything. It's only in the international competitions when they have men competing against men and women competing against women. So I don't know. It doesn't seem like it would matter here. It's not like oh, men have this ability in shooting that women don't. You know, it doesn't. Right. It's a mind sport it's a, a little mind bit. Sport. Too.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's a great point because you know I think that to make a distinction about oh, well, if we have men and women compete together, it doesn't give women as much of a chance to succeed. We need to make sure that's actually the case. It's certainly not the case for something like shooting.
0: Yeah. It just seems like one of those things where there are certain competitions where like you're comparing, like running and swimming are good examples. It's a timed sport. It's a standardized distance. We can clearly see from the data over the years that you know, men have an advantage over women. So I think in that instance, yeah, it's good. The women are still incredible swimmers. And so I like that they get the platform and some of that fame. But then for something like shooting or like curling is another good example where you're kind of like, what does any of this have to do with like, how fast you can run or how strong you are? Like, this is such a thing of skill, right? In those types of competitions. I'm like, this is silly. Like why just just let them compete together.
1: You right. know what this makes me think of? In our high school, you don't have to include this; it's kind of a tangent. But in our high school, <laughs> they did a male and a female valedictorian. And in my graduating class, <clears throat> the male valedictorian was uh, the eleventh highest GPA in the class because <gasps> the first ten were all wow. women. And so, like, he got to stand up and give a speech. But number two, who was a woman. Didn't because she wasn't the top woman, and I thought that was very, like, why are we creating this like gender segregation where there doesn't need to be that because like obviously, academically men and women are equivalent, although not a, not in my graduating class, but
0: theoretically,
1: <laughs> uh, well, way more was, women go to
0: college and graduate, so yeah. there's that. Yeah. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but yeah, I mean, I. Uh, I don't know, the shooting thing, the last point about this whole shooting story, and like, should we or should we not have men and women competing together? Is like, you did have them compete together for 20 years. Right. Right. So, so why, why then, all of a sudden be like, nope, sorry, we're changing things. Just because Margaret Murdoch shows up. Yeah, yeah, well, she was a hot shot. <laughs> intended. It's not as if one person could just change
2: the course of an entire sport, right? Oh,
1: wait.
0: (laughs) What a segue. That's an excellent segue. I think we are all right now feeling the obstinate indignation of being women who aren't allowed to do something that men do just because we're women. I feel the feminist outrage seething inside of me. (laughs)
1: It's a little early, but sure.
0: But, as Caroline alluded to... Our Olympic story doesn't end there, and if we truly want to promote gender equality, and if we truly believe that sports can help us get there, then we have to swim a metaphorical mile in someone <laughs> else's speedo. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eleanor, would you please introduce us to our next gender bending champion?
1: Yes. So, uh, this guy is—he's—he's he's a winner. His name is Bill May. And different from Billy Mays, who is the formerly the OxyClean guy, RIP. Bill May is the best, most successful, most awarded, winningest, most lauded man in the synchronized swimming game. And that's uh, because he is both uh, so, so good at synchronized swimming, and also because he is the only man in the synchronized swimming game. Like the only, only man. Like the only, only man until very recently. Um, and the only reason that there are other men now is because of Bill May. He just, he was just wanted to be a synchronized swimmer from the moment he was very, very young growing up in New York. So much so that he moved when he was a kid from New York to California, uh, not to pursue a Disney Channel career, but to join the Santa Clara <laughs> Aquamades, which is the same best, thing, really, Same thing. <laughs> same chance of success. Uh, they're, they're the best coach and the best team in the country mm-hmm. and like to give you a sense of how good he is as a synchronized swimmer he, as a tribute to the only other person who's ever done this synchronized swimming move, he learned how to do this move where he would dive into the pool head first and then stop mid-dive so that his bottom half would remain above the water and he would just freeze in the water I and, would love be to
2: honest, see that
1: yeah. I couldn't really find it on YouTube because I didn't really try, but it, <laughs> it sounds amazing. It, basically, he defies gravity with, like, so much body control, which is just amazing. So a lot of people argue that he was maybe just the best synchronized swimmer in the world, Uh, gender ir- irrelevant. But yeah. he was never able to prove that because he wasn't allowed to compete at Worlds, like, the international competition within the synchronized swimming world or at the Olympics. So basically he would train and train and train with all these women and then they would get to go on to the Olympics and he would have to stay home and he never got to prove that he was the arguably the best synchronized swimmer in the world.
2: So this is really fascinating because synchronized swimming is a team sport. I mean, just by the nature of it, Mm -hmm. you can't do it by yourself, right? Right. So he was allowed on a team and he was, and the team went, to the olympics but not bill but
0: not him yeah huh. right yeah well this yeah. seems unfair to to little billy
1: yeah it does it's really unfair i mean but like it, it's unfair to bill right like it's for bill it's unfair but the question is like is it unfair to men everywhere that they can't participate in synchronized swimming and there's mm-hmm. uh this great article about him um from last summer by taffy Ackner which a lot of this information is pulled from, and she says it wasn't discrimination because, quoting her here, Bill didn't represent throngs of boys fighting for equality. It was just him. You can't change an entire sport just for Bill, right? <laughs> which is kind of fair, right? Like, it's yeah. not like he wasn't... march. He didn't have thousands of young boys in speedos and, like, glitter hair <laughs> marching behind him begging to be allowed to compete. He just was really good at something that... He wasn't allowed to compete in.
0: Quite like Miss Margaret. Right, right. Let's, let's pick up on that at the end, but, you know, a little foreshadowing here of why we've told both these stories together. But let's, let's stay with Bill for now.
1: So the interesting thing is that, like, obviously Bill was very disappointed by this turn of events because he'd spent his whole life working be able to compete in these international competitions so he and his coaches would like petition the international body and ask to be allowed to compete and they never got permission because he was the only one so at worlds if the if they created a co-ed synchronized swimming event only the u.s would be able to enter because only the u.s had bill may so none of the other countries <laughs> had any motivation to do this because it would just be three points the united states
0: so if that's the case like why are we why are we still talking about it is like is this the end of the story like he doesn't get to compete sad moving no. on No.
1: No. You don't get a new you don't get a magazine profile written about you by Taffy Broadus or Ackner just because you went home with your ball. No. So Bill retired in 2004 after like years and years of trying to fight this power. He retired because he wasn't getting any success. He did the one thing a retired synchronized swimmer can do, which is he worked for the Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas. So he was, you know, like, living with life. They have right.
0: underwater circus shows. Who knew?
1: Right. I think we should all I'm go to of... Vegas and check this out. Yeah. But apparently yeah. a lot of people <laughs> that he had trained with over the years, like that's what they do when they retire, which is cool. Wow. But so 2004 he retires. In 2014 he gets the call. Ten years later. Oh, He's man. just been living his life. Ten years later he gets the call that the governing body of Synchronized Swimming, who run the world's competition – is going to just allow men to compete in worlds. Just whip-wop, just change it all around. Now you can do it. It's a little late for that, for Bill May. I would agree, except... He's like 35 at this point. He's 41 at this point. Wow. I think he's
0: 35 in 2014. I think really? he's going to be 41 in oh. 2020 right, at the next <laughs> okay. Olympics.
1: All right, so he's, like, in his 30s, which, like, think about it. That's right. pretty old. It's considering beyond the prime his of his years. career. Right, he started this journey when he was like ten, not even. So, right. um, And basically, it wasn't even because like they had heard the cry of Bill May. It was because they were worried that synchronized swimming was becoming passe and might get cut from the Olympics. So they were like, "We need a little publicity, Um, a little splash of publicity." (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: Oh. <laughs> <watch>. oh. Yes. <laughs>
1: um, and it also helped that other countries over the years had to started to develop male talent, most mm-hmm. of whom were doing this because they've been inspired by Bill May.
0: Okay, and, I, and the other part of this that I just want to make clear for the listeners is that the events that they added to include a man were duet events. So, right. so there's like a technical event, and then there's a f- kind of freestyle, more interpretive event but these are duets we're talking about these aren't the like huge you know the whole team out in the pool events so this is like a big spotlight
1: exactly and it's like super co-ed right it's like a man and a woman like you do for figure skating it's not like if you want to throw a man in you can you have to have a man on your team but this is like a weird thing because this is from this article um they said, quote, when it's time to begin choreographing for the mixed gender duet, nobody in the world of synchro, synchro quite knew what to do. Were they supposed to act like two girls doing synchro together, letting men in only on their terms? Or would they change the nature of the sport by turning the choreography into a water dance between a man and a woman? No new scoring guidelines were established. Everyone was lost. Everyone. It's like everyone. No one knew what they were doing. So this
0: is interesting because you think like, oh, great, they're going to let Bill May compete. They're going to let men into the sport. Like that seems cut and dry and clear. But really, it opened up this whole new set of complications of like, how do you score this? How do you
1: interpret this? Right, exactly. Even for him, like he'd been existing in this world of kind of pretending to just like play by the rules within the women's game. This is like a whole new game now.
0: Right. But now like his maleness is half the show. Right, right.
1: So, what what did he decide to do? So he and his partner, uh, Christina, they just they decided to just go for it. They were not going to pretend like they were two women. They couldn't find bathing suits that would make them both look like the same person. Like (laughs) that's the idea in synchronized swimming is everyone has to look uniform. But obviously, he's a man. So they just decided to go all in. They did. uh, They picked Harry Connick Jr.'s song, "Just Kiss Me." where it's like a romance, right? Like, Harry wants his bae to stop applying her lipstick and just kiss him. So, like, they were like, let's have the rom-com of synchronized swimming playing out in the <laughs> pool right now.
0: I think the thing that struck me th- uh, that was funny about this particular detail in the story of what song they chose was, like, they're totally upending the sport right now, right? They're being like, okay, we're taking the sport that's all about uniformity, and we're actually going to exacerbate the differences between us. And then so they're doing this like revolutionary thing and then they're like, okay, but the way we're gonna present this is through this very like traditional man and woman in love and like right. lipstick and kisses. And I was I just thought it was too funny. I was like, these are polar opposites of like what right, you are trying it wasn't to accomplish really, here. Like, it
1: wasn't a big stand for gender equity. It was just like Bill May was like, I want to do the thing I've been trying to do my whole life. Like I just right. want to dance in the water to Harry Connick Jr. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I wonder if it looked, and I'm sure that there's footage of this. I wonder if it looked more like a you know an ice skating pair like a like a right. syn- like a swimming yeah. dance rather yeah. than
1: synchronized swimming. Yes, but they were in the water uh, right
3: I mean
2: they they had to win with that,
1: right? Well, okay, so they went to Kazan, Russia to compete in the world championships, and they won a, a little bit and they lost to so where they got second place a little bit. So they <laughs> won a gold for the technical event and a silver medal for the free routine, uh, with free the film. Russians taking the reverse, um, silver in the technical and gold in the freestyle.
0: Their routine also, like, alluded to, I don't know, like, the glory days of communist Russia or something, and, like, yeah. people loved it. Like, this oh. this reporter is talking about how the audience and the crowd was, like, going crazy for this, like, romanticized communist Russian love story that the Russians did. What
1: an right. odd
2: background for just a, a pool dance.
1: Right. And it was like, it was weird, great, because on the one hand, you got Bill May, who's like, I have been fighting for this my whole life. And then on the other hand, the Russians were like, we're going to take this as an opportunity to remind everyone we were once communists. It's like, all right.
0: But this is like so in line with how the Russians approach the Olympics, right? Like, they're like, oh, Something, there's an opportunity to win gold. Like, okay, let us find and develop young talent who can go and compete in these competitions. And they develop them from, like, the youngest ages. They give them a salary so that they all that they have to do is train. And then in the U.S., like, Bill Mays is doing, like, two Cirque du Soleil shows a night and, like, trying to, like, running up his credit card, trying to rent out, like, public pools that little kids are literally... Shitting literally
1: in. shitting it <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's a true part of the story
0: yeah okay so bill may doesn't win both his gold medals but like there's going to be a rematch at the olympics right
1: well there's still not an official decision on whether co-ed synchronized swimming will be allowed in the olympics so they were sort of hoping at this 2014 world championship that if they made enough of a show, they might make it in for Rio in 2016, which obviously didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So the next battle is Tokyo in 2020. They're still It's still on the table. It's obviously much closer to happening than it ever has been before. And just proof that Bill May managed to change an entire sport just for him. And that's not something a white male can do in 2016. I don't know what is. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah exactly the
0: limitless okay. possibilities of what white men can do <laughs> <laughs> but okay so so let's go back to miss margaret and bring her back into into the fold like what have we learned here because we've taken two like equal but opposite stories and i feel like for the shooting i was mad and i thought it was so unfair And then for Bill's story, I was like, oh, this is so nice. Like, this is just one man's individual quest. Like, it didn't carry the same implications for, like, gender. Yeah. So, like, why do we think that is? I
2: think, you know, I think we have to sort of be careful about that because it's very easy to say, as that article said about Bill May, Bill May didn't have an army of young boys wanting to synchronize swim behind him. But if you said that about... Margaret Murdoch and shooting and said, well, it was just Margaret Murdoch who wanted to shoot in the Olympics. She didn't have anybody else. There was, wasn't a whole bunch of girls wanting to do this. I think my instinct is to say, well, wait, wait a minute. We don't know. Maybe if there were women doing, entered in the shooting events in the Olympics, we would suddenly see a whole group of girls that that want to be doing that, um, but didn't know they could, didn't have a role model in that space. And
1: in fact, um, we saw that with Bill May, right? Like, now there are men doing synchronized swimming right. because of him. Mm-hmm. I well, think and back- because
0: of the Russians crazed sure. quest for gold. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care what it is. They'll, they'll, they'll compete in anything. They'll do it.
1: All those mines. So I games. think that's,
2: you know, the ideals, like having a role model in these sports is another important reason to kind of open the opportunity to everyone.
0: Right. I wonder if if for certain sports we're going to get to a point where – it's like so mixed that it becomes male again. Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's all this psychology and literature about, you know, girls won't necessarily volunteer themselves to go do new things or try new things. Right. Like this is talked about a lot for like math Mm -hmm. and science and stuff like that, but it also totally applies to sports. Like, If girls participate on sports teams, on girls' sports teams, then that's been shown to build a lot of confidence, and then they're more likely to, like, engage in other new activities and go for leadership positions and that sort of thing. But if everything's, like, mixed from the beginning, are we just, like, back in kindergarten where you're trying to encourage little girls to do things, but when it's not, like, a girl-only environment, is that better or worse for them? Right. Yeah, I mean, there's the question of should we
2: have mixed events? And then there's the question of there needs to be a place for, even if it's in gender segregated events, like everyone should have the opportunity to compete.
1: Yeah. I mean, you think about like like these, some of these mind sports that we were talking about, like chess, like, I mean, there's no reason, right, why you would need men and women to be segregated, gender segregated on that, unless you're, no women are going to enter because it's a very, I would imagine, a male-dominated field Mm -hmm. and so then like it's sort of this self-perpetuating cycle where it ends up just being a men's event and we've got this like random story of one woman who was super good and sort of never again so then maybe there's an argument for making that you know the men's chess and the women's chess but then you end up with this Margaret Murdoch situation again
0: right 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 it's funny it's like where is the threshold between when you're like encouraging people and when you are starting to like, discourage people through, you know, some sort of like intimidation factor.
1: It does almost feel like it would make you know, the way they do a lot of these things now. It's like co-ed in the uh, like n- national competitions and then gender segregated in the international competitions. It almost feels like that should be opposite, right? Like you should be able yeah. should, like develop teams that are gender segregated and then for the big games compete against everyone.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, but this is also an issue in, um, like, who becomes coaches. Like, in tennis, for instance, even on the women's tour, many more players have male coaches. And part of that is because they say that, like, the, the female players, they want a hitting partner who is stronger than them, or at least as strong as them, which is more often a man rather than another woman, because, you know, the theory being that, like, you get better if you play with people who are better than you. So, but then, so on the one hand, you're like, okay, well, you want to develop the best female talent that you can. And if that includes male coaching, then like, what's wrong with that? But on the other hand, it means that, you know, the visibility of leadership positions becomes more lopsided toward men in those roles.
2: Yeah, that's true. And I think that's like a form of, diversity that we need to be paying more attention to it's not just having men and women in equal numbers it's having a mix of you know power dynamics of boss a, a female boss to male employees a female coach to male players um that's
0: something we're still working on right yeah all right well sistery ladies caroline eleanor corinne thank you so much for coming on the show I definitely learned a lot it was fun to have so many people to talk to (laughs) Um, and as I say to all of my guests good game Uh, good good game game. thanks Mae we loved it good game
3: good game good game
0: That does it for this week. Thanks again to Sistery for joining the show. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Follow the show on Twitter at NYBF Sports or on Facebook at Not Your Boyfriend's Sports Show. You can always email nybfsports at gmail.com. And please check out the website, nybfsports.com to sign up for the newsletter. Thank you very much for joining me and good game listeners.